Mac Power Users, Episode 701, The Safari Extension Roundup. Yeehaw, everybody. Welcome to Mac Power Users. It's time for the Safari Extension Roundup. Did you like that? You like my yeehaw? It felt very at home for some of us who live yeehaw. in the South. Yeehaw! How's that? Oh, Is that better? That's pretty good. You're a secret cowboy. My dad was from Missouri. I got some of those sayings in me. You yeah, know, you like, uh, works better than windshield wipers on a duck's <laughs> You know that one? <laughs> did, we, did we just get a beep? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, no, I put in the notes. Bleep, <laughs> David, saying that word. You're spicy today. What is happening? I don't know. Lack of sleep. Lack of sleep. <laughs> anyway, uh, gang, I'm David Sparks, and joined by your pal and mine, Stephen Hackett. We're the Mac Power Users. We're here today howdy. to talk. Of, howdy, howdy, y'all. We're here today to talk about Safari Extension Roundup because it's time to talk about Safari Extensions. We've been mentioning over the last few years how Apple has been loosening their grip on Safari and making it easier, not the word easier, uh, for people to create extensions. And now there's some some good ones to choose from. We've been promising you for a while that we're going to share with you some of our favorites and most useful extensions. And today that's what we're going to do. Before we get started, uh, any housekeeping, Stephen? I just want to thank everybody who backed the Kickstarter. Uh, it was a, a big success. It's it's all wound up now, and I'm hard at work on my final production stages. So if you backed it, I will be sending out updates via Kickstarter. And I'll be sure to say something on the show and on social media and stuff and on 512 Pixels when uh, I moved to Backer Kit, which is what I use for fulfillment. Everyone who backed the Kickstarter will get an email saying, hey, it's time to give Steven your address. And if you didn't, back it but you've changed your mind or you want extra stickers or something like that uh there'll be a, a window of time where you can just outright purchase things via backer kit as well but that'll be probably a month down the road a little bit i got some production stuff i need to finish first but um i'm very happy with how how it came out yeah and today on more power users uh we are going to be talking about some thoughts on threads if you're not familiar uh facebook slash Instagram have made their own Twitter competitor called Threads. It's kind of taken off in the last week. I think now it's 100 million users and uh, kind of interesting to me. Like everybody was down on Facebook because they thought they were creepy. And then all that had to happen was Twitter got creepier. And then people are like now happy to go back to Facebook. But the, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about that. We have thoughts. And uh, if you want to get into more power users, that's the ad-free version of the show that has some extra content every week. You can learn about that over at relay.fm slash MPU. So I want to set the stage a little bit with some history of Safari and extensions because Apple has sort of rebooted this thing a couple of times over the years. And of course, Safari came out, I think in 02 or 03. It's, it's, It's been out a long time. And back in those days, there were really no browser extensions, at least for Safari. There were some like hacky things you could do. I remember running a couple of applications that would like do like drop in packages into the Safari app package. Like it's a different time back in, yeah. you know, 2004. Yeah. But uh, really in, in 2010 or so, uh, Apple got serious with it. And I had, dude, I had such a sense of memory when I came across this page. So there's a link in the show notes to what's called the Safari Extensions Gallery. It's a Wayback Machine 
link because it's long gone on Apple's website. But like, I saw this and was like, I remember this like pixel for pixel as soon as I saw it. Apple, back when Safari 5 had a section on its website, just like they did for dashboard widgets back in the day, yeah. where you could just go through uh, a bunch of extensions they liked and just download them. And then they would just do whatever they wanted to do. And Oh, yeah. This does bring back memories, man. Right? Like, I saw yeah. it. I was like, oh, man. I remember checking this out so much back in the day. And I just wanted to read a little bit off this, this page because I read it. And I was like, wow, this sounds just like extensions today. So, built by developers, Safari extensions use the latest HTML5, CSS3, and JavaScript web technologies. And they're digitally signed and sandboxed for improved security. You can install extensions with one click. No need to restart Safari. Sounds sounds basically how they work today. Yes. Yes and no, right? I yeah. mean, the Apple has gone through various phrases, uh, phases of this. In fact, I think one of the points we can get out early is Safari extensions are not as extensive as any other browser. I mean... Chrome, Firefox, all those browsers are much more of a friendly environment for extensions than Safari. And the big trade-off you get, I think, one of the big trade-offs you get when you choose between these browsers is with Apple extensions, they're more secure and there's fewer of them. And with the other uh, browsers, there's usually more extensions and they're not quite as secure. I mean, mm-hmm. I know somebody's going to write me and tell me that I'm full of it, but that's generally my impression. Yeah, and we'll get into to Chrome and Firefox at the end of the episode, but in general, Apple has tightened the... Uh, are we sticking with the cowboy thing? They've tightened yes. the... <laughs> Y'all, we're going to be there all day. <laughs> yeah, you know, they've, the arena is smaller than it used to be for these extensions to run around in. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not a farmer. Yeah. Um, yeah. And... Uh, and so in 2018, all that old Safari extension stuff went away. And I remember this. It was kind of like in Catalina when all 32-bit software died. It's like a bunch of stuff just disappeared and never came back to Safari. Yeah. And yeah. they had sort of like this intermediate system, but it wasn't very good. And it was kind of a dry spell when it came to Safari extensions. But then in 2020, the big news was... Apple was going to adopt the web extension API. And this is a way of developing extensions that can interact with your browser that are also supported in Chrome Edge, which is really Chrome under the hood, and yeah. uh, and Firefox. And I think Opera too, but no one cares about Opera. <laughs> the Opera people are emailing me. I'm sorry. It was just a joke. Just a joke. Theoretically, this was going to make it easier for developers to port extensions into Safari, but I'm not sure that really panned out. I've been talking to developers that make extensions, and they all say it's a big pain in the neck to make them for Safari. Hmm. So the ones that we're going to mention today are the ones that went through the Crucible you know, and made Safari extensions. Are they safer? It seems like Apple is more concerned with it. Um, All of this kind of happens in context. I believe, and I don't have any sources on this, but it seems to me like about the mid-2010s, Apple decided to have a boil-the-ocean privacy um, and and just security run at everything they make. And you see this in the way um, Apple Mail developed and the way the extensions developed. And it's like, 
I feel like somebody at Apple or maybe they hired somebody to figure out all the ways that they're vulnerable. And somebody said, you know what the thing we don't want? We don't want a news story about people getting hacked on Macs. And they took everything that gave um, toeholds to bad guys and they nuked it all. And they just started over slowly rebuilding it. You see, like I said, the Apple Mail extensions, Safari extensions, all the plug-in systems seem like they all got wiped out and then started to rebuild in one form or another. And I don't know if this was like a company-wide effort, but I kind of think it was. And extensions were wrapped up in that. But now we're kind of on the other side of that. And they do have web extensions. And there is an active environment of people developing these web extensions. A couple today we're going to talk about are pretty darn powerful. You see, I use darn there, you know, like a cowboy. Yeah. What is that? Pretty darn powerful. I, I, I don't know. Show. Something's happened to me, guys. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I feel I suddenly feel like I need a cowboy hat. <laughs> you could pull it off. When I was a kid, I rocked cowboy boots. I'm just telling you, five-year-old mm. Sparky wore cowboy boots everywhere. But either way, yeah, I, I feel like we've kind of gone through something here. And web extensions are here. Granted, they aren't as powerful. And we're going to talk about some of the other browsers. And if you're looking for the most powerful extensions, uh, you should not be using Safari. But if you are using Safari, extensions are a real thing for you now. And there are some really good ones out there. And that's kind of the main thrust of today's show. Yeah. The only thing I want to kind of add in the sort of the history section is that now, of course, we also have them in Safari on iOS, which we didn't at all until 2021. And a bunch of the extensions can be used cross-platform and you can like say, hey, yeah, I want this one and its settings to be synced through iCloud. And that, I think, particularly on the iPad, makes Safari a lot more useful. That came with iOS 15 just a couple of years ago and I think was a really good move. You, I guess we should uh, show our hands a bit. I am a 100% almost Safari user. Uh, we've talked done shows in the past uh, comparing browsers i get that there are more powerful browsers but um i'm on all the apple platforms i love the way safari protects the battery life on my laptop and my mobile devices uh, i don't really want to hassle with using alternate browsers on ipad and iphone and the safari feature set is good enough for me that i don't mind using it as well on the mac uh, there are some things i'd like to see extended like i feel like the tab groups and some of the stuff they've been adding recently are really good, but need additional work. But so I'm, I'm kind of all in with Safari. I do have Chrome and Firefox installed and I do use them occasionally for one reason or another, but I'm largely in Safari all the time. Now, Steven, where are you at with browsers these days? I know you kind of move around a bit. Yeah. So I've been a Chrome user the last couple of years on the Mac really because there there's some stuff that I do like really big Google spreadsheets and some invoicing software we use at relay that it just runs much smoother in Chrome, but I never used Chrome on the iPhone and iPad. So I was kind of split for a while, which kind of stinks because uh, your history yeah. is split and like what browser did I bookmark that in? But in preparation of this, I've been back in Safari for about a month and I still have those issues on some of the tools that I use, but I'd kind of forgotten how fast Safari is, especially on the Mac. So that's been fun to rediscover. Yeah. Do you think you'll stay with Safari and just use the other browsers for the specific tools? Or are you going to go back to, to yeah, your Chrome? Yeah, I'm, 
I'm kind of in the phase now because it's beta season that I'm spending a lot of time in Apple's stock apps. Even though I'm running Ventura on my main Mac, I have Sonoma on a secondary one. And so I want to play with the profiles and the other new features. And so, yeah, I think I'll be in Safari for the foreseeable future and then just bouncing to Chrome when needed. Yeah. Well, there's a couple extensions that were really tempting me to leave Safari. And then we got some new ones for Safari, which we're going to talk about in the show today that were good enough. They're like, okay, this will work. And and so I have lost the urge to leave Safari, but I, there have been times um, like I love the idea of highlighting the web. Like when you're on the web doing research and highlighting something and having your browser remember that when you come back to it. And guess what, guys? That's possible now. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to share an extension with you later to do that. But the uh, but that was something that was kind of not there on Safari for the longest time. But with the latest kind of web extension architecture, there are some real power features out there if you find the right extensions. This episode of MPU is made possible by Text Expander. You can get 20% off your first year by visiting textexpander.com slash MPU. With TextExpander, you can get your team communicating faster so they can focus on what's most important. With TextExpander, your team's knowledge is always at their fingertips. Get everyone on the same page by getting information out of silos and into the hands of everyone who needs to use it. You can share your team's knowledge across departments, so your team is sending a unified message to your customers and they're not spending time reinventing the wheel. So there's three easy steps. You store it, you share it, and then you expand it. You can keep your company's most used emails, phrases, messaging, URLs, and more right within TextExpander. For instance, our TextExpander team account for RelayFM, we keep all of our sponsor names in there because they have different capitalizations, different spellings. We want to make sure that that's always right and look professional. Once it's stored, you can... Share it. You get your whole team access to all the content they need to use every day. You can organize it by group or department or topic, and then they can expand that content. They can deploy that content with just a few keystrokes on any device across any apps they use. It really is that easy, and I could not do my job without Text Expander. It's available on the Mac, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. And show listeners get 20% off their first year by going to Text Expander dot com slash mpu and once again that'll get you 20 percent off the link is also in the show notes my thanks to text expander for their support of mpu all right so let's get started with the basics apple has a knowledge base articles about safari extensions and while normally we don't tell you go read the manual these are actually pretty useful yeah, they are. And especially if you're, you know, primarily used to Safari on the Mac, like I think a lot of us are, you may not realize like some of the things you can do or how you do them in Safari on, I think, the iPhone in particular. So I'll have both of those in there. Um, we also don't normally link to like developer documentation, but I think the page for Safari extensions on the developer site is actually pretty clear and easy to understand. It's, Like, I'm not a developer and I got it. I did want to read the sentence, though. Using powerful native APIs and frameworks, as well as familiar technologies like HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, you can easily create Safari extensions. Sounds familiar. It does sound familiar. Because really what extensions are, they're they're little bundles of code, not 
necessarily limited to HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, which is basically how the internet is built, but little bundles of code that can interact with parts of your browser. So maybe what you're looking at on a given page or your tabs or your complete history. And and there's a bunch of settings and management we're going to talk about in a few minutes around those things. But they're, they're kind of, I think the easiest way to think about it is they're sort of like little helper applications inside the browser that are there to either extend the functionality of the browser or outright change it. Yeah, and I, I know this is basic, but I, I'm sure some people don't understand this, but you actually have an app store for extensions. You know, Now that we've got this new extension architecture, people started producing extensions, you distribute them through Apple. And uh, there's several ways to get there. I think the easiest way I, I usually go and I want to go extension shopping, I'm usually already in Safari. If you just go up in Safari to the um, Safari menu under Safari, and it says Safari extensions, it's the second entry. You click that, it opens up that little store for you. And Apple has a curated group of extensions there, and it shows you the top paid, top free, kind of the usual categories you'd expect. But you can get extensions from there, install and and set them up right from the little store. Yeah, in fact, uh, that's basically the only way you can get uh, extensions. There, there's a couple of caveats yeah. to that, but also for extensions have to be built in Xcode, which is Apple's development environment so if you've made a really popular chrome plugin you can't just like change the file name and expect it to work in safari you still have to go through apple's tool chains to do that Uh, you got to go through the app store unless it is an extension that's bundled inside an application um and there's some there's like some fine print there that we're not going to get into today but just know that generally you're going to go to the the app store for these things, either directly. So some of them, like some of the ones we're going to mention later, on the Mac at least, it's basically just a shell application in your applications folder. Like there's nothing there. But all it is is a conduit to get this Safari extension onto your machine. And then other times you have, you know, a big application like DevonThink, for instance. And from the DevonThink, you know, menu system, I can say, okay, inst- you know, go install the 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 web extent, the browser extension. So a couple of different ways to get there, but primarily it's going to be through the app store. And if you're looking to explore or if you have like a, a problem you're trying to solve and you think a, a, an extension might do it, the app store is going to be where you start. Yeah. You know, I should also just mention as an aside, we have a newsletter because I had a couple of people write me about this recently, not aware of it. But you can sign up for a newsletter for Mac Power users at relay.fm slash MPU. And when the show drops, you get an email with all the links for stuff we mentioned. So if you're listening, you like to listen in the car or whatever, you can just have it email you the links. Like today, we're going to have a lot of links because we're going to be going through a bunch of extensions. Uh, it's a great way to to get the links for the show. Um, just go to relay.fm slash MPU, sign up for the newsletter, and you'll get it in your mailbox when the show drops. That was kind of a little random bit there, but I was just thinking we have a lot of links we're going to talk about yeah. today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The new system, I, I'm really happy with it overall. I feel like that they have created a nice ecosystem of extensions. I'd always like there to be more, but the, you know, the new system, you go to the app store, you find what you want, you download it, you can pay for it there if it's a paid extension. And with just a couple of taps, you've got it running in Safari. It's pretty great. 
And once you install it, then it starts giving you little icons across the top of your Safari window. And if you're like me, they, they do multiply. Yeah, they do. And and that's kind of one of my complaints about it is that I think that they don't scale very well. Like if you have a bunch of them on the Mac, your toolbar just yeah. gets cluttered with a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And at least on my machine, they're not always retina like they're supposed to be. But like Grammarly and DevonThink and one other I forget. Uh, it's like sometimes it looks like a retina logo and sometimes it doesn't. It's like, what are you doing? Get Get your... Get your uh, get your act together. But overall, I agree with you. I think the new system is really good. And I think from the security perspective in particular, it's really pretty clear to understand what an extension is accessing. So this is primarily on the Mac, although you can get to it on iOS as well. You can go through your list of extensions and you can see exactly what they have access to. So something like the DevonThink Clipper, it can see web page contents and browsing history on all web pages. But, you know, something like an ad blocker also has permissions to alter the web pages I'm seeing, right? Because it can go in and change things and take things away. Others have access to your tabs. But I think Apple's done a good job in really pretty clear language for people to understand what, uh, what these things are doing. Yeah, and I think just general, this kind of um, environment of security is nice. I mean, first of all, there's complete transparency. When you install an extension, it tells you right on the tin what it has access to. So that gives you, uh, no matter how, you know, because none of us are going to crack open the Xcode, right, and look and see what it's doing. But as they go through the App Store, they've got to make certain disclosures, and then you find out what they are. Um and then I feel like using the App Store as a curated um, marketplace for this is another kind of layer of security. Now, granted, Apple has done a bad job with this in some cases, and there have been apps that got through that are not good apps. But, you know, at least it's there. And I think they're trying to do their best with it. And so I, I like that about this and because I, I want to be feel free to explore and try a bunch of these extensions. And you know, when you see one that Apple has featured uh, or it's from a developer that you know of, uh, it, it's very easy to push that button. We talked a little bit about the the management where you can go into the Safari settings window on the Mac and, and see what they're doing. Uh, there are a couple other things in there that I want to call attention to. Uh, you can, on a individual extensions basis, say, yes, you can share this across devices. So you don't have to like go and find that extension on your iPhone and iPad. It'll just be there when you're when you're ready for it. You can also uninstall them from this panel on a Mac OS. Now, this is where the fact that a lot of these are tied to applications will kind of get you. So like if I click the Todoist one, which I don't use, but it's there, and I hit uninstall, it says, oh, you're actually going to uninstall the Todoist application. Go to Finder to do that. But again, it's very clear to understand what's what's happening there. You can also set some of these uh, per website. So if you right-click or I think on the iOS and iPadOS, it's the puzzle button. You can go to like settings for, and then it's the website. And you can say like, enable content blockers on this site on a per site basis. 
which, you know, sometimes some sites won't work with content blocker. So you, you have some management tools and I think they're for what they are. I think they're pretty clear. Yeah. And one of the things that gets confusing, I think for you as you're managing them is because there's multiple entries, even though under the Safari tab, it's got the get extensions button that opens the, the store to buy them, but to actually manage extensions, you do that in the preferences for Safari. And um, again, this is probably basic, but if you're not aware, you're not aware, right? And uh, it's very easy to get confused about that. But you manage the extensions and the preferences. You add them in the Get Extensions button. How do you feel about the puzzle icon on iOS and iPadOS? Is that the worst icon in Apple's UI currently? I mean, I, I kind of get it because from a historical point of view, uh, the puzzle and it has always been kind of the extensions icon. But it also reminds me of the way Microsoft Word has a floppy disk and for the save mm-hmm. button. And at this point, it doesn't mean, it doesn't have a literal translation anymore. Like, I think if I showed my kids a floppy disk, they wouldn't even know what it was. My kids don't. They straight up don't know. I've tried. I've run this experiment. So, yeah, I, um, I, I, I don't think I'm as passionate about it as you are, but I also... <laughs> I'm not a big fan of it either. I, I despise it. It hurts me every time I see it. What would you use instead? I don't I mean, know. We're put see, you in charge. I don't have it. Uh, you know, that's why I'm on the outside, man. <laughs> I can just lob feedback over the wall. I don't have to deal with it. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to answer the question. Maybe, <laughs> how about a plug? Like a, you know, like a plug, you know, like you plug in the wall. There you like go. Plug in. That, that works for me. Yeah. Do you sync uh, extensions across your devices? Yes. Yeah, me too. I don't really see any reason not to unless you're using something like really specific in a, on a specific device, but. That said, I rarely use extensions in the mobile devices. I just don't find myself using them that often. Mm-hmm. I use one to set dark mode, like override light mode, which we'll, we'll talk about a couple examples of that. That's the one I use them, or at least it's the one I interact with the most on iOS and iPad OS other than probably the one password one. Yeah. One nice thing about this is that in addition to being in the app store, most of these extensions that are running around are free or extremely inexpensive. I think one we're going to talk about is like 10 bucks. I think that's the most expensive one. Most of them are just a few dollars. And a lot of them, again, come bundled in an application you may have already purchased or using. And so it's a little bit different than I think when we talk about, hey, we're going to try a bunch of different notes applications. <laughs> like, right there, uh, that gets pricey uh, quickly, or at least it can. This episode was a lot cheaper to research than some yeah. of the other ones we've done. <laughs> yeah, I spent, like, I spent like eighteen bucks. It was like great. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and 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 so I, I think that's that's nice about this. I think you know the market has just dictated these aren't very expensive and. They're definitely not full-blown applications, although some of them are quite complex and do some really interesting things. But this is a way to explore customization and personalization without breaking the bank. The One of the nice things about this is a lot of these really are unitaskers. They're really, they just solve a little problem. And as we go through the list, you'll hear about it. And you either have the problem or you don't, and then you need the extension or you don't. And I like that, although there there are exceptions. There are a few um, extensions we're going to talk about today that have grown into like suites almost. And uh, so it's kind of fun to see the the variety of that as well. But 
Yeah, man, I I want to start talking about extensions. We've we've had uh we've been we've we've done the setup, man. Let's start hitting some homers. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Zocdoc. Go to zocdoc.com/mpu to find the right doctor right now. Have you ever been on a hunt for a new doctor and you ask everyone you know for their recommendation? It makes sense. You want to find a doctor who gets you, listens to you, and makes you feel comfortable. Then after weeks of searching, you find the one. They meet the requirements and then some. So you call their office and they have an appointment available and then you find out your perfect doctor doesn't take your insurance. Don't let that happen to you. Head over to ZocDoc to find and book the doctor who is right for you and takes your insurance. ZocDoc is a free app where you can find amazing doctors and book appointments online. We're talking about booking appointments with thousands of top-rated, patient-reviewed doctors and specialists. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, are located near you, and treat almost any condition you're searching for. These docs have verified reviews from actual real patients, not bots. And the average wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between 24 and 48 hours. That's it. You can even get same-day appointments. And then once you find the doctor you want, you can book them immediately with just a few taps, so no more waiting awkwardly on hold with the receptionist. When I first discovered ZocDoc, I was immediately sold on the idea because it's such an obvious problem. We're always looking for good doctors, and how do we find good ones? We don't know. I mean, we just don't know how many doctors that treat this or that condition in our area. And then once you find them, it's true, you just don't get the insurance coverage that you think. I used to get these little booklets from my insurance company, and I'd hunt through them, I'd find a doctor, and then the first one who would take my call and actually agree to book an appointment was the one I took. It was never an informed decision, and that all changed the day I installed the ZocDoc app. If you face that struggle, if you picked a doctor in the blind, then you need to get the ZocDoc app. It just solves all those problems for you. Go to ZocDoc.com MPU and download the ZocDoc app for free, and then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash M-P-U. ZocDoc dot com slash M-P-U. That's the URL. And our thanks to ZocDoc for their support of the Mac Power users and all of Relay FM. I want to start with content blockers. I think they are sort of the easiest to talk about in the sense of what they do. But we do need to have just a brief side on the ethical dilemma as people who pay their bills with ads, which we do, uh, ads and membership. Um, I do run a content blocker. I, I run one called One Blocker, uh, but I am definitely pretty, pretty liberal with it. I don't use it on a bunch of sites. I really only use it for the worst offenders. And then I use some of the other filtering stuff that it has. Uh, one Blocker is, is extremely customizable. But, you know, there there are people who think that you should, you know, you'd be the worst person in the world if you ran an ad blocker and other people run it, you know, run several of them and run them all, you know, maximum settings. So I think it's really a personal decision. I was curious where you came down on it. I actually don't run one, but it's not, I'm not like um, with a religious fervor, not running one. I just don't find it, it worth it. Uh, I was running one blocker and that's the one I would recommend because you can do it on a per site basis. And occasionally you go to these websites where it's just relentless. Like you want to read an article and you get every two paragraphs, it it puts something else up on your screen. But then I just decided rather than running one blocker, I'm just going to stop going to those websites. (laughs) And uh, 
that's kind of solved the problem for me. So I, I just don't run it. Um, uh, I don't feel that you should, if you're going to rely on content that people are generating for you and they're, they're surviving on advertising. And let me tell you, that is a tough racket. Yep. You don't get paid much for these advertisements and you got to work really hard for that money. So I just feel like, you know, if I'm going to read their stuff, um, or consume their content, I'm going to let the ads run. I don't mind, but I, I, am not judging people that run it. It's fine. Everybody has to make their own choices. But, um, my feeling is if you're going to run one, run something like one blocker and just run it when somebody abuses it, you know, when somebody abuses your attention. Yeah. But generally I'm, I'm okay with it, but, uh, there's another extension here that we've got in the outline that I, that I really do like. Stop the madness. Yes. Stop the madness. Stop the madness. What a great name for an extension. This isn't really an ad blocker, but it does help you stop the madness. <laughs> you know, um, the, the reason I run it is because it, it's a extension that basically lets you go in and fix things, you know, cause some people, when they set up their websites, they do all sorts of stuff. Like they disable the ability to hit uh, command click and open it in a new tab or stuff because they really want you to stay on their page or they auto play videos. I hate that when you go on a website and it just starts playing yeah, a video without you even clicking on it. The worst. Yeah. And so all the like worst practices of the internet, uh, stop the madness does that. This is one of those extensions to, to me that is so much more than a unitasker because the developer just keeps I guess the developer gets angry a lot and just, you know, every time he or she goes on the web and sees something dumb, he adds it because the, it seems to constantly evolve. But, uh, yeah, this one, I guess this is my, um, my concession to blocking in the sense of if you're going to do crazy stuff on your website, I don't really want to see it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, just some of the examples reading through the feature list, uh, it's just absolutely amazing. So, Remove tracking URL tags. Uh, stop tracking beacon. So there's some tracking stuff in there. But use that stop video from autoplaying. That's obviously a huge one. Show native video controls, including AirPlay and picture-in-picture picture on sites that don't normally support it, which is incredible. Yeah. Although I'll say that Stop the Madness isn't as good at this as some of the unitaskers that attach to that problem. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite ones is the ability to have uh, to be able to copy and paste from web pages that disable copy and paste. And you'd be surprised how often you come across that, especially if you like write a tech blog and like need to copy things for block quotes. Yeah. Or like, I, I love this when people do a press release and they make it so you can't copy the text. Yeah. And I'm like, it's a press release. That's the point. Literally the point. Yeah. But yeah. So stop the madness fixes a lot of stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's really sweet, and yeah, the developer like is just going around the internet fixing things, and uh, I think this is the most expensive thing on the list, but it is uh, it's well worth it. Jeff Johnson, the developer, does a great job with this. Uh, font replacement is another thing. Stop the madness can do. Like, you know, I haven't needed that recently, but there was a time when Comic Sans was like an acceptable font on the internet, <laughs> you know, and like you could literally replace the font in the app. So you didn't have to see, like if there's a website you really liked and they didn't do a good job of making, they made poor choices on their mm -hmm. fonts. You could fix that, you know I mean? And, and it's got a whole series of features specifically related to Safari. So, you know, kind of getting back to me as a Safari guy, 
uh, Stop the Madness has a bunch of stuff in there that addresses what they consider to be, you know, issues or or difficulties with Safari. Uh, you can stop it from automatically submitting login forms. Um, URL shorteners can be an issue with Safari sometimes, and you can turn that off. You know, uh, it's just nice. They, you know, just a nice group of little features. Um, I, I someday want to meet this Jeff Johnson and, and find out the story behind this app. What was the moment? What was the straw that broke the camel's <laughs> back that led to Stop the Madness? And, and like I said, this is the most expensive one we're going to talk about today, 12 bucks. And in my opinion, it's it's worth every penny. Yeah. I do want to back up to one blocker just for a minute. Uh, primarily, it is an ad blocker, and they update it with new rules all the time. Currently, I just opened it. There's almost 30,000 rules just to block ads across the website or across the internet. Um, but it also blocks a bunch of tracking stuff. It also has some block annoyances, but they are not, it's not as useful as Stop the Madness. One thing that is a bit frustrating with one blocker is while you can edit things and you can kind of see what it's doing, you kind of need to be a web developer to understand some of it. Like a lot of it is in regex and it's like hiding elements. And like, I don't think normal users really understand that. Now, maybe normal users just install it and just like flip all the switches on and let it do its thing. But say that you want to, you can do custom rules and say that you want to block whole sites or subdomains or something you're writing regex and you're kind of like having to play developer a little bit. And I understand that something as powerful as this, like in some ways you can't really get around that, but I do wish that one blocker was uh, a little bit simpler to customize. I love it and I use it on all my devices, but I think like when it's time to go tweak something, it can be a pretty steep learning curve. Yeah, and there are other ad blocker applications out there that are reputable, and uh, and you know we could recommend checking out. Ghostery is one I used for a while, and I thought it was well done. You know, uh, blocks ads, trackers, and um, uh, AdGuard for Safari. Uh, I think those are the the big two. There's also um, AdBlock Pro, which I believe is. That's also in Chrome and Firefox. Uh, there are quite a few of these out out there, and there were some like more boutique ones when this launched or when Apple relaunched uh, extensions. But they've sort of, I think, coalesced kind of into these these handful. The other thing I would say is, if you install one of these, be conscious of problems. Like if you run yes. into problems on web pages and things don't render or like you're not able to get what you want, it's often because an ad blocker got too aggressive, which is another reason I don't bother with them. Uh, in general, I find that they uh, they cause me more grief than uh, relief. And I so I just don't, I just don't really find I need it. Uh, and I once again, I would just give a pitch. And uh, granted, I'm a guy who makes a website that runs ads. I just feel like if, um, if you like the website, let the ads run. I mean, yeah. What's, I agree. What's it matter? As long as they're not abusive to you. I mm-hmm. mean, they don't do, um, let, let them do their thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, doing tech support for Relay, like, probably get a handful of emails a month and someone's like, this doesn't work on your site. And my first response is, turn off your content blocker. 
And yeah. <laughs> usually that fixes it, right? Because it's interfering yeah. with something in uh, in an unexpected way. And sometimes you'll go to a website, they're like, no images are loading because your ad blocker decided all those images were actually ads. And that's not really true, but you've got to contend with that. Yeah, just be aware. It, it kind of falls in the same category for me as don't go complain to a developer that it's broke that their app is broken when you're running an iOS beta or a Mac OS beta. Like, you know, maybe file feedback so they know, uh, cause maybe they don't know. Uh, but do not be a jerk about it. Like go and and you know, don't don't go in guns blazing. Don't take stars away from your review in the app store. Understand that, you know, I'm on the edge here a little bit. And web developers don't necessarily really uh, worry or consider too much what an ad blocker is going to do to their site. So if if you run into something broken and you're running one of these, uh, it's up to you to write, go and, and and click in that location bar and say, you know, turn off ad blockers for this URL. Yeah, I just just yesterday I had a, a customer buy a field guide and the videos wouldn't play and he wrote me and said what a jerk I am. And, uh, you know, I, he t- I took his money and then I didn't give him his videos and I wrote him back and said, turn off your ad blocker. And mm-hmm. then he wrote me back and said, Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. At least he did that. You know what I mean? <laughs> that the, uh, it happens. And, uh, the, you know, it is kind of adding an agent of chaos to your browser when you add it because ad blockers really, it's like a little friend that's super protective and sometimes just a little too protective. <laughs> and we haven't really touched on things um, like suppressing Google ant pages or, EU cookie notices or GDPR pop-ups. A lot of these content blockers have those sorts of things as a feature. Now, there are some specific, like really sort of one-trick pony content blockers that like all I do is I block GDPR notices and I do it better than anyone. And so if you're, you know, in part of the world where that thing's common or you really hate Google AMP or something, you know, there are specific like really specific extensions out there. But for the most part, something like really, I think between one blocker and stop the madness is going to cover most people's wants. This episode of MPU is made possible by NetSuite. Being a business owner or working closely with one means knowing your numbers. If your business is earning millions or maybe even tens of millions in revenue, Stop what you're doing and take a listen because NetSuite by Oracle has just rolled out their best offer ever. NetSuite gives you the visibility and control you need to make better decisions and to make them faster. And for the first time in NetSuite's 22 years as the number one cloud financial system, you can defer all payments for a full NetSuite implementation for six months. That's no payment and no interest for six months. And you can take advantage of this special offer today. So why is NetSuite number one? Well, they give your business everything you need in real time, all in one place. This lets you reduce manual processes, boost efficiency, build forecast, and increase productivity across every department. Having all the information you need in one place makes it so much easier to make good decisions. I've owned a business now for almost 10 years, and I can tell you, if you are in the heat of the moment, you're trying to choose a path to go or make a decision on staffing or something else, that's not the time to be digging through a bunch of spreadsheets that don't know anything about each other, a bunch of different systems. NetSuite brings it all 
in one place. That means you can make smart decisions faster. And NetSuite is offering that unprecedented offer to make it all possible for you. More than 36,000 companies have already upgraded to NetSuite, and they've gained visibility and control over their financials, inventory, HR, e-commerce, and so much more. If you've been sizing NetSuite up to make the switch, then you know this deal is unprecedented. No interest, no payments. Take advantage at netsuite.com MPU. That's N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E. NetSuite.com MPU to get the visibility and control you need to weather any storm. Our thanks to NetSuite for their support of the show and Relay FM. All right, so we ate our vegetables and we talked about ad blockers and security. Let's move into the fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, first of all, there's a problem with Safari, and that is dark mode, because uh, we have these Macs that can go into dark mode, but not everybody on the web has a dark mode on their website. And yeah. you know, if you build a website in a certain way, I know both of our sites do this, it detects if you're in dark mode and it feeds you a different version of the website, but not everybody does that. So there's nothing more jarring than being in dark mode and having a page open up with a full white screen and black text yep. um, lighting up the room. And I can't cast a stone because the relay website doesn't have an automatic dark mode. The homepage is dark, but the interior pages aren't. And like, I haven't got around to it yet. Um, it's hard. It's hard. It is. And like, I've got, so the reason that I keep, like hitting a wall with it is that we have a bunch of different shows use different colors and like it's a whole when it's on white it's pretty good i can't just set a background color and like make everything legible all the time so we gotta do a bunch of stuff but uh there are a couple there, there are several extensions that do this uh the one that i use is called noir no is that how you say it in noir. I, noir i would say noir, noir. like film noir you noir know noir boys you know yeah, right. into the, yeah, into the yeah we, we call yeah. it noir here noir. in the south yeah, it's like manure without the the first part. Uh, okay. This is... N-O-I-R. Let's just put it out there. N-O-I-R. Noir. <laughs> yes. It's three bucks. It's in the, it's in the links. Go check out the links. Um, yeah. This is really cool. So you can just have it on. And by default, if it senses a website like 512 Pixels or Max Sparky has a dark mode, it doesn't do anything. It just lets the, the developer's dark mode come through. But if it doesn't, then it has its own dark mode. You can customize how it looks even on a per site basis, but it will override the CSS of the site, the design of the site and overlay its own dark colors. So I use this on a, a, a local newspaper here that I read all the time. Their website doesn't have a dark mode. And I know the guy who built the website and I, I bugged him like six years ago about it and it never got done. So I use this and it looks fantastic. They do, the developers behind this do a really good job at interpreting the colors that are on the site and making it all work. And yeah, sometimes it's like, it's a bit weird. Um, And if you don't like it, or for some reason you really want that site in light mode, you can say, hey, ignore this website and the, the extension just won't do anything with it. But I've I've used this for years because I'm dark mode on my iPhone all the time and I I don't use anything else in dark mode just the phone but I really really like it cuz it's the worst right when you're browsing around you hit a link and all of a sudden you're on a, a bright white page. Yeah, I uh, I use dark mode more than you in uh, Keyboard Maestro. I mapped the caps lock plus D key to toggle it. So nice. just when I'm feeling like a change, I put it in dark mode. 
Uh, but the um, I was all set when we had worked on the outline. We're like, oh, I'm, I use Dark Reader. Uh, the icon looks like Darth Vader with sunglasses. It so, does. of course, it's, that's the one I bought. It's such a good icon. You know, and I was going to defend it. And then I went, as we were prepping the show, I realized, oh, I started using Noir like a year ago. And I haven't turned on Dark Reader in a year. So yeah. I guess we're in agreement on this one. But Dark Reader is good, too, if it you is. don't like Noir for one reason or another. I think those are the two best candidates. And if you never go in dark mode, you don't need the plugin, and that's a little less real estate in your uh, yeah. in your menu bar up there. But but if you do like to use dark mode, th- these are like essential because it's nothing you know going to crimp your vibe more than being in dark mode and then opening up a website and you know filling up the room with white light. Yeah, and dark reader is also available, I believe, in Chrome and Firefox, or like they have a different version of it. So if you've used it somewhere else. It's there in Safari. And there are some others. These, you know, for all of these, I, I should say this at the top, and it's true for all of our roundups. In all of these categories, there's a lot more out there. We're kind of picking what we think are the best out of a bunch that we've played with. Um, but yeah, if you're a dark mode user and you're not doing something like this, like go check these out because they will they will really change the game for you browsing. Let's move over to utilities because there's a lot of great little plugins and these are going to be ones that that add features to safari and we've got some we've got some good ones here uh, uh i guess starting with our sponsor one password uh, the one password plugin does a lot of stuff for you when you're in safari uh, whether you're setting up a new uh, account with the website or logging in fill and go great feature um that has been kind of a staple of one password since probably version one they've been, they've always had a great extensions and safari plugins mm-hmm. and that continues to today yeah and they do the thing where like it integrates with touch id and face id um as do a bunch of other password managers like LastPass and others they're all uh available as extensions we both use one password we both pay for one password even though they're a sponsor and pay us to read their ads but um it's definitely one that i've got installed everywhere and uh i love it yeah yeah. Another one that has come up on the show, we frequently talk about Grammarly. I really like Grammarly's Safari extension. So Grammarly is a grammar checker. I pay for it. It's about a hundred bucks a year, mm-hmm. which sounds like a lot for something, but for someone who writes, yeah, this thing catches so many errors that I miss. And it's so much better than like a built-in spell checker because it actually does grammar recommendations. And if you get the paid tier, it often like will offer to rephrase a sentence and make it actually better, you know, and, and it'll catch tense problems and it'll catch active voice problems. So it's just a really nice, if you do anything that involves writing, uh, I have not seen anything that compares to Grammarly. In fact, that's a good question. If anybody is out there and they feel like there's something better than Grammarly or on par with it, let me know that might be future content for us, but it's awesome. And uh, the extension allows you to run Grammarly as you write on the web. And it helps me. I know I have several friends who use Grammarly that turn this off and don't use the extension. But even like when I'm finishing up a blog post to have Grammarly come in and say, oh, hey, wait a second there, Sparky. Um, it, it's just one more way to check and one more way to avoid you know doing something dumb. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like it's a well-done extension. Whereas I think they're their uh their mac app should be fired into the sun yeah and but uh, you know i i think their extension is actually quite good i agree i i've got it running it 
saves me so, so often when I'm doing something in the the CMS prepping an episode. Um, and you can turn it off per domain. So like, I do not run it in Google Docs because yeah. Google has its own thing. I don't want them conflicting. And honestly, like I'm not doing like grown up writing in Google Docs. It's all show outlines, right? Like none of these yeah. things that we're lo- going through are complete sentences even, most of them. So Grammarly yeah. would freak out. So I really like that you can tell it where you want it, where you don't. And yeah, it's it's fantastic. I, I honestly could not work without Grammarly at this point. Uh, one of my favorites is Awesome Screenshot. First of all, kudos on the name. You just, yeah, just uh, just go for it. I, I was not familiar with this uh, really at all. I'd, I'd never even come across it. Yeah, so it's a screenshot. Like, you know the problem of when you capture a screenshot in a browser is quite often the page extends beyond the window. Awesome screenshot solves that problem. And if you need to get a screenshot of an entire web page, this is how I do it. Now, it has evolved over the years to where now it kept does video in 4K and it has edit and annotation tools and collaboration. There's a whole bunch of stuff in it I don't use. But if I want to take a screenshot of a page and get the full page, it's really useful. Um, back in my lawyer days, this was useful too. A lot of times web pages became evidence, right? And so you want to get the full page and who's going to do that silly thing where you scroll and you take a screenshot and you scroll, yeah, just use awesome screenshot. You get the whole thing and um, useful tool. Yeah, this looks really awesome. Um, I use a photos extension called annotatable, I think um, on iOS. And then of course, CleanShot X, CleanShot 10 on the Mac, but yeah. having it in Safari is pretty sweet because Honestly, most of the time, if I'm taking a screenshot to like mark up and share with somebody, it's in the browser, right? It's like, oh, this is where you log into Memberful to get your thing. Like click here, then click here. So that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, that's where I usually hit that problem of I need to get everything and it's not all on screen is usually on the web. So, you know, it makes sense to have an app to, to handle that for you. Yeah. One that I absolutely love. I don't use it all the time, but when I do use it, it's like the perfect thing. It's called Tabs to Links. It's actually written by Benjamin Mayo, who writes over it at 9to5Mac. It's four bucks. And what it does, it puts a little icon in your toolbar in Safari. And when you click on that, you get a little popover window. And in that popover window is a list of all the tabs in that particular Safari window. So if you have like three Safari windows open, it can only see the window that it's in. And in that pop-up is a list of all the tabs and you can select the ones you want. I think by default, they're all selected. And then you can export. So it pulls the name. So it pulls like, you know, maxbarky.com and the URL. And you can copy the links to the clipboard as plain text or as markdown, or you can just send them right to, to your default mail application. And this is fantastic if you have a bunch of things that maybe you're doing a bunch of research for something and you just want to send somebody a list of web pages. Like, there's no need to like bounce between tabs and copy the URL and paste it in somewhere. It's it's two clicks. And again, not something I, I run into the need for super often. But when I do, again, it's like this little kind of single tasking extension that just really does a good job. Um, and I like all the options. Like I like the way it does the markdown thing. Uh, that's that's usually what I'm doing is I'm doing it into markdown. 
but you can just copy the links or do plain text as well. Yeah, I moved to this one in recently. I think it actually came up on the show at some point. It may and have. It is the best one. There, there are several apps that that do this, or several extensions, and this is my favorite by far. Uh, Benjamin like covered all of the options you'd ever need, and this isn't just something for nerdy podcasters. I feel like anybody who does research on the web, whether it's for your work or school or whatever, having the ability to just say, okay, now give me a list of all these links I've been reading. That's really useful. And, you know, you can share it with people. You can put it in your notes and your research or whatever. And uh, I think this is one pretty much everybody should install. And I think this is the one and you're supporting somebody in the community, which also feels pretty good too. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, I mean, there are other things that do this. You know, there are some applications that can do this, but I like it that it's just one button and one more click and I'm sharing. All right. Are you ready for my pick of the day, my favorite extension? I am. Okay. Readwise, which is a service I've been talking about on the podcast for years. It's the thing where if you highlight something in a Kindle or in in um, Apple Books, it saves those highlights for you and gives you spaced repetition. Well, they've come up with a reader um, application. It's like an RSS reader, but it's a bunch more. And they made a killer extension for Safari for it. Now, I've actually been hesitant to talk about this on the show too much because it's a um, it's a beta feature. But as I understand it, uh, doing research leading into today, it is available. I think anybody can get in on the beta at this point. It's an open beta. Um, but this is meant to be kind of a replacement for a lot of things, uh, like Instapaper, Read Later services, you know, save it to Read Later, um, uh, RSS apps, you know, it just, it does a bunch of stuff, but, and I think their idea is we want to make like a one-stop shop for all of your research and later reading stuff. In addition to the highlights that you put in Kindle. And I feel like they have done a bang up job on this thing. It's it's, so it's a web page you go to, and it's got a very easy index to show what's coming in in your RSS feeds. You even have a magical email address where you can send things to it. Um, and it's not fully baked yet. That's the reason why I've been hesitant. People have been actually writing me saying, when are you going to cover this on MPU? And it's in beta, so it's been hard for me. But I feel like I can't sit on my hands with this episode because their extension is just killer. It is one of those extensions that adds real estate to the browser when you turn it on. You know what I'm talking about? It drops a little space, white space below the bar and has additional tools available, but they're all super useful. Like one of the things it does that I've always wanted is auto highlighting. Mm -hmm. So when I'm reading the web, I can just take the mouse and drag and select text. And then it saves it to reader as a saved highlight. So, and then it also saves of course a link to the article and everything. But if I go back to that page next week, those highlights will still be there. So it's like, it's like having a, a virtual highlighter to, to Safari yeah, and it cool. remembers and it's awesome. Yeah. And then you can add tags and you can add comments and you can put it into your, your research database. And I am really, really digging what they've done. When I first started using it in early betas, it was a little, you know, rickety as betas are, uh, but the, um, but it's, it's very stable now. And my initial thought was I was just going to use this for important things like stuff I want to read spiritually or something that you know something really deep long form stuff 
and I was going to keep all my Max Sparky stuff over in Reader, but I'm actually really thinking about just going all in with this Readwise Reader because it's so powerful. Like I'm constantly reading stuff uh, on Fridays in the labs. I do a little news podcast. It's like 10 minutes of, you know, what's this week in Apple. And it's like, this is a great way to collect stuff for that. And I can have the highlights show up and man, do I love this plugin. And I know it was a battle for them to get it built and through Apple because it's so powerful and does so many things, but it is, it is the solution. It, you know, the reason I was thinking about moving off Safari more than anything else was these web highlight plugins, mm-hmm. which are, are quite common on other platforms, but they're difficult with Apple with all their security requirements. But Readwise managed the thread, the needle, it works reliably. And now I have a web highlighter and that's awesome. I mean, this thing does a lot more than that. And I, we may do a show on Readwise once this thing launches, because there's a lot to it. And I want Steven to spend some time with it. Yeah. But, you know, as far as a plugin goes, this is a plugin that does that thing that so many plugins do where it saves an article to read later, but it also has highlights and it has all these integrations built in. And I just think that that team over at the the Readwise team is doing doing great work. I've got another sort of nerdy power user one, and it's called X Search for Safari. And this is one that on the Mac gives you a, an, like an application in your applications folder. But what it lets you do is it enables keyboard based search engine switching. So follow me here. So say that you have Google set as your default search in Safari, which is the default, uh, I think, from Apple. Sure. And say that, well, actually, I want to do this specific thing and search DuckDuckGo. Well, you can just type in the browser DDG and then your search term, and it will it will take that search and send it to DuckDuckGo and load those results for you. Um, but so th- that's cool. Like sometimes you just want to use a different search in- engine for something. But what is really cool about this is that it also comes with a URL scheme to search within other apps, and you can synchronize like all your customizations with with iCloud and you can you can use like Spotlight to do this as well because it's an application but also an extension it can kind of work inside and outside of Safari. It's pretty cool. Um it reminds me of some of those we've talked about it with like uh we've talked about Mac, Mac utilities but there are some utilities out there like, okay, open this URL always in Chrome and always open this one in Safari and that other one in Firefox. It's like that, but for search engines. Nice. Yeah, and, and like for the first half of that, you know, searching different engines, I just use Alfred for that. But yep, me too. the second half is a feature that is not otherwise available to me. Well, maybe I'll have to get this one. We're, we're selling each other as we go through the show. <laughs> That's how this always goes. Uh, Oh, look, a Mac Studio showed up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love that. It's only a question of time. We'll I see. <laughs> All right. Um, Super Agent. Uh, Super Agent is interesting because it's kind of the flip side of kind of the security and blockers. It What it does for you is it just automatically fills in web forms for you. And a lot of the web does a good job of this already, but a lot of it doesn't. 
you know, how many times you want to type in your zip code and uh, uh, super agent just seems to solve the problem. I don't know what's exactly going on. I actually went up and down about putting this one on the list. Cause I wasn't sure about, I don't know the developer. I, uh, you know, it's like, I don't have personal experience with these people. They do get your information. Yeah. You, you have to set up an account with them, which is interesting. Yeah. And so it's, a, I'm a little, I'm a little iffy on that part of it. Cause I don't know enough to say, Oh, I've talked to these people. I can tell you they're, they're good people, mm-hmm. but I can tell you the app is the feature is really powerful if you use it. And, and you'll find that quite often, you know, if you buy stuff on the web or if you go fill in things often, this, this really does speed things up quite a bit. Yeah, that's cool. I use one password for some of that, but uh, it's good to have good to have options. And of course, Safari can do its own autofill autofill of some stuff, but I basically have all that turned off because yeah, it never really does what I want it to do. It Safari gets very confused, and yeah. I, I don't know why it still thinks that my um, my uh, my law firm phone number is my phone number and. I have been trying to dynamite that out of my system for a year and a half. <laughs> I haven't quite got there yet. Yeah. It's like, Oh, it was in your contact card once. I will never forget it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've got another tab management one, and this is an extension that tab groups like half Sherlock's, but I still think they they do some interesting things. So this is called tab space. And it, again, you get a little button up in your toolbar. And when you click on it, you get a couple of options. And you can basically save all of your open tabs to a list. You can save and close them. But when you go uh, into its UI itself, which you can even set as your homepage, which is pretty cool, it's like a it's like a series of like Hansel and Gretel breadcrumbs because you can save tab spaces as often as you want. And you go through there, you can even name them, you can share them, you can, you know, destroy them. But it has uh, basically every time you've saved a tab space, you have history of it. And so if you are working on something and you want to be able to come back to it later and you got a bunch of tabs open and tab groups aren't your jam or like my complaint with tab groups is they're not a template, right? I want tab groups to be a template, like open these five URLs every time. And if I open a sixth one, then that's part of the tab group. And that doesn't work with the way that my brain thinks. Um, yeah. But this is much closer. And best I can tell Not all the support links and stuff work in this. Like this is another one I was kind of a little iffy about, but my understanding is all this is just local to the extension. It's not syncing this anywhere else. It's just here sort of in Safari's land. Um, Best I can tell. Again, like the FAQ page goes to a Notion page that doesn't exist. So that's a little weird, but I think it's cool. And there are uh, a bunch of these in other browsers like there's one that i think a lot of chrome users like that i've used in the past uh called one tab uh and this works in a very similar way to that and if you've liked that sort of thing but haven't found one for safari tab space could uh could be the one and you can even import your one tab history which is pretty funny 
I need to take a look at this. Um, I really want tab. Um, the was it tab groups to work for me in yeah. Safari? Um, but there there is some stuff in here. Like, do you know if tab spaces has automation hooks? Like, can I Apple script it and do things like that with it? Pro- I would guess probably not. I don't think so. Yeah, maybe JavaScript. I mean, anything on Safari, Apple script is not going to work with. But yeah. The, uh, yeah, I'll I'll look into it. I'll look into it. This this might solve a problem for me. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Tailscale. Go to tailscale.com/mpu to secure remote access to shared resources. Human scale teams build trusted networks by securely connecting devices with Tailscale. With Tailscale, you can do things like connect to Home Assistant to check on your place while you're away, or you can also stream movies, shows, and Music anywhere from your network-detached storage box using Plex or Jellyfin. Plus, you can access Pi-hole from anywhere and secure your connection when on Wi-Fi you don't totally trust. And you can now sign into Tailscale using your Apple ID, so if you prefer having your credentials managed by Apple and iCloud, this option is for you. Just sign into Tailscale with your Apple ID on Mac or iPhone using Touch ID or Face ID for a super-fast sign-in. Plus, you can also use Passkey to authenticate your Tailscale account, a new feature you may remember seeing at WWDC. Once connected, you can use TailDrop to move files between a MacBook, iPhone, iPad, Linux virtual machines, Docker containers, Steam Deck, and even Windows boxes. If you're looking to share your work more widely, Tailscale Funnel makes it easier than ever to share your local development over the internet for collaboration, testing, and experimentation. Using Tailscale Funnel, you can receive a webhook from GitHub, share a local service with your coworker, or even host a personal blog or status page on your own computer. Funnel is a secure way to expose your development environment at a stable URL over the internet, complete with auto-provision TLS certificates. Use it from the command line or the new VS Code extension. With a few keystrokes, you can securely expose a local port to the internet right from the IDE. Tailscale has clients for macOS and iOS, Windows, Linux, and Android. The free plan includes three users and 100 devices. Head to tailscale.com mpu right now to build your team's trusted network today. That's tailscale.com mpu, spelled T-A-I-L-S-C-A-L-E. And if you're interested in working at Tailscale, they're currently hiring a macOS engineer. You can navigate to their careers page for more. And our thanks to Tailscale for their support of the Mac Power users. So you came to the document with a handful of extensions that we have filed under Fixing YouTube. So please tell me about the wonderfully named Baking Soda and Vinegar. Yeah, I um, I realized that I think I am a huge YouTube consumer, like in terms of content. Um, I, there's a lot of great stuff on YouTube. I make some of it, but a lot of people make it too. And like, whether I am trying to figure out more about Aristotle or learn how to cut a, a, a mitered through dovetail, I feel like I just love that there's this place I can go to and somebody will show me how and teach me about stuff. So uh, I get that there's a lot of garbage on YouTube, but there's a lot of really great content there. So, so as a result, I want to watch it mindfully. and. Um, uh, there's a great app called Vinegar, and it's a YouTube viewer. It, it's my favorite one of these to like fix YouTube. Uh, it removes ads. It restores picture in picture. 
and it allows the video to keep playing in the background even when you leave. So those are three problems that we see often, particularly on mobile. And you get this and you install it and it's fixed. And that's all there is really to it. Now, the developer has another one called baking soda. And it's like vinegar, but it doesn't have the same tool set. It's a little less powerful, but it does have background and picture in picture. And it works on all websites other than YouTube. So like, because YouTube's so weird, he had to make a specific app for that. And they're two separate purchases, although you can buy them as a group. And uh, easy money. I think it was under $5 for both of them. Yeah, And they're great. They're great. Yeah. For me, I mean, I looked at these because I use YouTube a whole lot too, but I subscribe to YouTube Premium. And that basically does what I'd want this to do, at least mostly. Like, I don't care about the HTML video player. I don't mind the YouTube one. I don't see ads. And so, like, the hot tip of the day is... If you double right click on a YouTube video, you can just hit picture in picture. Like, yeah, it's fine. Videos keep playing in the background again if you're a premium subscriber. So, uh, I'm solving this another way, but this would certainly be cheaper. Yeah. And, you know, the subscription gives you the ability to have ad free YouTube content on yeah. your Apple TV and everywhere. There's a bunch yeah. more. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, but I do think that that this is something a lot of folks who like watch YouTube might find use for. I like your suggestion. You had one I'd never heard of. Yeah. Uh, Eat the shorts, which is the, maybe the best named extension we're talking about today. (laughs) Yeah. It's pretty great, (laughs) but we've all seen it right. Short form vertical video content is everywhere. And a lot of people find that particularly annoying, especially on YouTube. And so what, Eat the Shorts does is as long as you're using YouTube and Safari, obviously it doesn't work in the YouTube app on iOS, but it will hide YouTube Shorts basically everywhere in the YouTube interface in Safari. So it hides it from subscriptions. It hides it from channels. It hides it from browsing and, you know, the the For You page. Pretty awesome. And it's not doing anything weird like seeing what videos you're watching. It's all happening on device. No data is collected. You basically just turn it on and YouTube shorts disappear. It's a well-spent 99 cents, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, exactly. I, that was an insta-buy for me when I found out about it. And uh, Another you know, common problem with video on the internet is picture-in-picture doesn't always work as expected. Steven shared the YouTube tip where if you click on it, right-click once, and then the second time it gives you picture-in-picture. But that's not true for everybody. And a lot of web-based video content doesn't want to give you picture in picture, which seems kind of silly to me because why not? Right. But we've got a extension for you. Uh, this is called Pipper picture in picture. I, I think of it as Piper, but that's cool. Yeah. That's my cat's name now. So that feels weird. I don't know why All the right. second P is capitalized. Uh, but yeah, so this basically puts picture in picture almost anywhere video is playing. So on the App Store page, they mention YouTube, Netflix, Amazon Video, and Twitch. But it's also like Hulu, Plex, and others. I tried this on a bunch of things today, and it works everywhere I tried. So it is basically just injecting the stock picture-in-picture technology built into Safari and just forcing it on everything. Uh, And it even works with 
closed captions, which is not always true. Some video players may have closed captions and picture-in-picture natively, but they don't work together. So that's a nice accessibility thing uh, to this as well. And uh, it's pretty cool. This is one that I've had. I've had it for a long time. And like today, going through like trying to log into everything I could think of, it is pretty bulletproof. All right. In going through these uh, these apps, you and I also found a few that neither one of us were aware of, but we were both interested in. Uh, tell us about Mapper. Yeah, this is this one's really cool. So this is a very simple extension that automatically reroutes Google Maps links from the Google search page, right? So you're searching like a uh, coffee shop, San Jose, and it's going to go to Google Maps, right? Because it's a Google result. Uh, well, that it just uh, snags that and sends it to Apple Maps on just on your device. And if you're a big Apple Maps user, and I have really become one really since we did that show a while back, uh, this is pretty sweet because it's so annoying, especially on mobile, to try to like copy and paste an address out of a Google listing. And like you go to paste it into Apple Maps and it's got a bunch of garbage with it. This just makes it all much nicer. Yeah. I mean, you put this one in the outline, you found it. And when I saw it, I looked at the description. I didn't even ask you. I just bought it. It's like, yes, <laughs> yes. Thank you. Because I use Apple Maps all the time. I love that feature where um, you can send a destination to your phone. I just had to take my daughter to the doctor the other day, and it was kind of at a weird location. Looked up Apple Maps, pushed the button, got in the car. It was waiting for me. I love that. I just yeah. love that. Um, anyway, uh, yes, Mapper for Safari. Uh, the one I found is a service that we are all familiar with. In fact, Stephen kind of referenced it earlier today, Wayback Machine. But Wayback Machine has a plugin. I think that's kind of useful. So Wayback Machine lets you look at prior iterations of websites, and now you can just run it as an extension when you're on the page. Yeah. And uh, I like that. You know, I like to be able to go way back without having to kind of like jump through all their hoops. You just click the extension and off you go. Nice, nice. I think that one's free. It is free. Uh, this one was new to me as well. What I've always done is I have an Alfred automation set up where I can paste in a URL and it pulls up the the Wayback entries. But yeah. this is so much easier. You just have an icon and you click it and you're there. I will say I've had trouble with this. Um, I've given it full permission that it asked for and it doesn't, it still doesn't seem to want to work consistently. I don't know what the deal is. I haven't really dug into this. I installed it, you know, in our show prep, but I think that it's going to be, if I can get it working, going to be awesome. Yeah, I'll have to look into that. This is a new one to me, so I, I have not used it under fire too much. But uh, back in the old job, uh, it was frequent where people would publish something and then change their mind, and then uh, you know lawyers got involved. And way yeah. back was always kind of the sneaky way to find out what had actually happened. Mm -hmm. Something we haven't really talked about today, but is very popular with extensions, is just app sharing, like. Um, you talked about the Devon thing clipper, which is probably the most powerful one that I'm aware of. Yeah, I it's mean, awesome. it's, does everything and it's almost like an app within an extension, but there are simpler ones. Day one, OmniFocus, you know, um, uh, Downy is a, is a frequent, 
um, one we talk about here on the show where it allows you to download YouTube videos as opposed to the earlier ones we talked about that allow you to like kind of change the experience. This just outright downloads the photos. But there's a lot of them, no matter what app you use, you know, whatever read later, like if you use Instapaper, there's an extension. There's all, all of, I think it's table stakes for anybody that's serious about this kind of like do something later off this web page service. There's a, uh, I mean, so many of them. And again, these are examples of things that come bundled in those applications, right? Like you install Dev and Think, you get this. You install day one, and then you go to your extension list, and you know day one's there waiting for you to to turn it on. Um, I use the Good Links one uh, a bunch, but there's also a lot of overlap here between. Okay, let's say Good Links for instance, which is a native app, na- native read it later app. Yeah, I can install their browser extension, and I get a little Good Links icon in my browser toolbar, or I can go to the share sheet on the Mac or iOS and hit Good Links, and it basically does the same thing, pulls the same UI up, and I think it's a little confusing that things can be both places. My kind of general rule because i don't like clutter is that if something's in the share sheet and i don't need its extension its extension isn't there like i just use the what's natively in the share sheet on the mac iphone or ipad but it's definitely kind of a a bit of a weird overlap i think that you have app extensions in the share menu and then you also have some of those replicated as browser extensions specifically within safari yeah, I think that really the sharing button is another version of an extension system. And it certainly is for the native Apple apps. Like if you want to put something in Apple Notes, there's not a downloadable extension. It's already in the share sheet for you. But there's a lot of third-party apps that get in on that action too. And you're right. It allows you to avoid the land grab that extensions do when they start filling up your your Safari top yeah. bar. Um so you really have to be kind of, I think, intentional about it. If there's like one you use all the time, like I talked about the Readwise one, I give that real estate because I love it. I love to turn it on, you know, I love to turn it off too. So it just, it's got everything I need there. But like the OmniFocus one, I can put in the share sheet and be happy with that. Mm-hmm. And you just got to kind of make your own choices. But the share button is also an extension system. And there are lots of apps that get in there. If you go into the share button and hit edit extensions, you'll see that there's a a lot of stuff available to you that you may have turned off or on. And frankly, that's a good thing to go through once in a while and edit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I did that in preparation for this and I was like, oh, you know, why are these things in here? It's also where you end up with shortcuts. And like, you can also write, to put another layer on this, can also write shortcuts really pretty easily to take a URL or something from Safari and put it yeah. somewhere else. So I have a couple of these to take links and put them on different uh, lists in my task manager right, with different uh, due dates or whatever. And so there's even overlap there. I do think and this is an iOS and iPadOS problem, not necessarily on the Mac, but I do think the app extension, because you have... Uh, action extensions and share extensions like no one understands the difference most developers aren't even consistent right those are the two rows of of things in the yeah that's all a mess and i i do wish and they didn't do it this year but i do wish apple would revisit revisit the share sheet 
on both platforms, A, make it the same both places because the Mac one, like for instance, iOS and iPadOS, you can have a shortcut directly in the share sheet. And on the Mac, you have to click shortcuts and then you get a janky popover and pick the one that you want. Like it should be consistent, but I also think there's room for them to to clear this up. So you know how like in the, uh, on the betas now in messages, we've got this thing where you click a button and it gets you what you need. Yeah. Uh, you know, it used to be really hard. And and the share sheet's the same problem. Like, it's like, what is the top row? What's the bottom row? Where are my shortcuts? Uh, even as somebody who writes about this stuff and works on it and thinks about it, I still am sometimes hard-pressed to remember what goes where. I feel like this needs that same treatment. There's a simplification pass on that. And I think it just really grew out of the fact that they have, um, you know, this stuff didn't happen overnight. Yeah, definitely. I mean, parts of the share sheet are really old. Other ideas have been added atop it, and and that happens, right? It's no, it's no big deal, but I think it is something that Apple should uh, should look at because a lot of people interact with this stuff, and I think if you're looking at okay, how do I get this from my browser somewhere else, that should be a simpler decision matrix than it is currently. I do want to talk a little bit about other browsers. Uh, we mentioned at the top that I've been using Chrome quite a bit for quite a while. And really, the there's two differences, I think, between the way Chrome does this and Safari does this. One, I vastly prefer the UI for managing extensions in Chrome. So in Chrome, you can have extensions in your toolbar, but then there's also a toolbar item. And then you can have as many as you want. It's like a little menu. And so I have the most important couple of ones there and then others like my favorite Chrome extension is probably one that if you're editing a Squarespace site, it overlays the IDs for each block. So if you write custom CSS, like it's easy to grab the ID. I use it all the time when I'm helping people with their websites. I don't need that visible all the time, right? Uh, same thing with some like these tab management ones in Safari I've been playing with. I don't need them all the time, but very often... And Safari, that's the way you interact with the extension is the toolbar. And I just, I find that frustrating. I think Chrome has done a better job of this UI wise, which is a wild sentence to say because most of Chrome's UI on the Mac is a nightmare. Yeah. But I I do wish that Apple would look at this. It's fine if you're running one or two extensions. If you're running five or six of them, you got a bunch of blue icons up there that are kind of distracting, right? Because they're not grayscale like the rest of the UI. And at least for me, sometimes they're not retina when they should be, or the Grammarly one is green for some reasons. I don't know why that one is special, but that the, the, the UI management part of it, I think Apple could do better at. Yeah. And you know, just like that idea, like you talked about the, the Squarespace extension that gives you a block ID that would never exist in Safari, right? That that's never going to make it over. And I know as we've been doing the show, there's been some Chrome listeners just like probably rolling their eyes because I'm making such a big deal out of the readwise when they're like, well, there's, there's 17 different extensions that do that on Chrome, right? You know, you are, uh, you're behind the times, my friend, but look, if you want to use Safari, this is the one that works for you. And uh, maybe I shouldn't be using Safari. I should go into this more extensive world of Chrome extensions, but it is kind of wild west too, you know? 
I don't know. I I get it. I guess what I'm saying is you don't need to write me to tell me why I would be much better off using Chrome. <laughs> but I, I like Safari. I like it's fast. It doesn't use a lot of battery life. And because I'm in the Apple ecosystem, tab groups and everything, it all just works great for me. Yeah. And, uh, and the mobile, I do a lot of browsing mobile and like trying to get another app. I think that's where it breaks for me. If I was just using a Mac, I think I'd be more inclined to maybe use something like Firefox mm-hmm. full time. But then when you get on mobile, it's such a pain in the neck. I don't want to deal with it. Yeah. And you can set a third party browser as your default now, but none of them have the extension support that Safari does. Yeah. And they all run the Safari rendering engine. So uh, it's not really a different browser. Like you can have Chrome and you have your favorites and history and stuff in there, but it's definitely a bit frustrating and it still feels like the iPhone and iPad are still too locked down. I mean, on the Mac, you can set anything to be your default browser and it like just works. You don't ever have to think about it. Same thing with the mail clients. And on the iPhone and iPad, that's a, a bit more complex. And, and I, I guess what I'm saying is I understand that I have fewer extensions available to me as I use Safari, but there are other reasons that I chose Safari that, you know, extensions isn't the only, in, it's the only factor I'm considering in choosing my browser. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it, man. If you've got some cool extensions we didn't mention, we have a we have a forum for that. It's at talk.macpowerusers.com. There's a new thread for every show. Go and let us know what your favorite extensions are. Maybe they'll show up in a future feedback episode. Uh, and honestly, hey, if you are really into Chrome and there's like a killer extension there that you're going to tell me about, and you want you want me to know that I, I'm missing out, do it there. Don't email me. Put it in the thread so everybody can can share that information. And again, maybe that'll be in feedback too. Who knows? Uh, we are the Mac Power Users. You can find us at relay.fm slash MPU. Thank you to our sponsors, Text Expander, ZocDoc, NetSuite, and Tailscale. And we'll see you next time.